Henry Handsome was a larger-than-life outlaw cowboy. At least that's how the legend goes. Henry Handsome lived and died examines the creation, evolution, proliferation, dissemination, and degradation of American folklore. Through 30 different short stories, the character, vague idea, false memory, misattributed anecdote, or influence of the titular Henry Handsome does everything from change the course of American media to sculpt modern-day knowledge of manifest destiny. Together, the collection represents the stories that create and define a culture, how those stories are told, and if they ever were to begin with, and if any of that matters at all. Each story was written, recorded, narrated, and produced by me, Elliot Matson. If you'd like to learn more about the collection, go to elliotmatson.com slash henryhansom. But for now, saddle up and enjoy the story. Henry Hansom Lived and Died. Story number seven. Olivia Rickenbacker sent a text message. Olivia Rickenbacker sent a text message. Nothing special. She sent them all the time. Ross was always happy to receive them. His new wife knew how to make him laugh with a few keystrokes. She put him at ease with an emoji. If you're like me and ain't ever owned a cell phone, this all seemed Greek to you. But you don't need to be a tech wizard to understand why Ross felt stressed on the first day of his new job. And from there, it ain't too hard of a jump to understand why the only person who could make him feel better was Livia. Honestly, Ross couldn't articulate what Omnitide did, let alone his position there. Whatever he'd written on his resume certainly impressed the right folks, though. Other folks thought there were better applicants than Ross. Other applicants knew they were. But that's not how it goes. Uh, maybe I'm spending too much time making you question how I got the job in the first place, but that really ain't important. He had the job. That's where he was now. He sat in that stark, sprawling office room where fluorescent light drowned in the last rays of natural sunshine that had the audacity to make it this far. Ross couldn't see a window if he squinted in any direction. Omnitide had taken down the cubicle walls last fall in an effort to make the environment more collaborative. But all the adjustment accomplished was giving vitamin D-starved employees a better look at each other's pale skin and flashed business casual attire crumpled against medium-tier ergonomic desk chairs. Most everyone wore headphones to cut the sound of clicking mice and keyboards, impromptu office chatter and otherwise. If Ross followed the tonal gray carpet squares far enough away from his desk, his eyes would eventually and inexplicably wind up directly above him, staring at a drop-grid ceiling like he was in one of those trippy modern artist drawings of impossible staircases and such. His pod mates... Justine, Padma, and Kyle all focused directly on their monitors, unblinking. Eh, you get the picture. I'll move on since this whole description is depressing enough. Bordered Ross's desk and stacks like one of the San Francisco skyscrapers he was in were employee handbooks, onboarding manuals, non-disclosure agreements, and assorted omnitide novelties like pans, erasers, notebooks, and reusable vacuum seal water bottles. In case Ross had any doubt, he was a part of the team now. His computer screamed a frightening chime when he booted it up. He thought the sound would at least turn the heads of Justine, Padma, or Kyle, but no such luck. The focus group tested Omnitide Blue filled each and every pixel as the logo animated on a screen. Ross got to work setting up his email, his company intranet login, the proprietary group messaging app everyone swore by. He linked his phone messages to the computer as well so he could chat with Olivia. 
And that's as much technical detail as I can get into since I barely know what the hell I just said. How's it going? Said Olivia. The green speech bubble hovered in the small window. Ross wished he could crawl inside it with her and wait out the rest of the day. Since five minutes ago? Replied Ross. He smiled to himself and bit his tongue to clear his expression. Any sign of happiness seemed to be frowned upon in these parts. Okay, forgive me for caring. LOL, typed Ross. Although he made a distinct choice not to laugh out loud. It's fine. I'm just getting all my stuff set up. Nobody really talks here. Even though there's got to be like 200 people just on my floor. Weird. I'm sure you'll get to know at least some cool people. Hope so. Ross removed a small photo of him and Olivia from his backpack. Each Omnitide employee had a cork board back and behind their computer monitor, upon which they were allowed to pin various work-related documents and reminders, as well as up to three personal belongings. The dry erase portion of the cork board had a smudgy gray spiral in the middle that they couldn't quite erase entirely. Ghosted letter fragments swirled around like the previous poor bastard who sat here got sucked straight into it like the eye of a hurricane. Ross logged into his Omnitide email client in the OM messaging app. He put on his headphones and immediately started hearing the pops and blips of messages volleying back and forth across the spacious room and the whole company. He was granted access to multiple chat groups based on his ranking, assigned pod and larger team. When he clicked on hashtag pod1856, he was met with warm welcomes, emoji, and gifts from Justine, Padma, and Kyle. Hey dude, welcome aboard. So excited you're here. Ross looked across the desk to his pod mates. He thought maybe they'd smiled or blinked and he'd miss it. They could have been mannequins for all he knew. Would his face atrophy in time like theirs, he wondered? Maybe it would be beneficial to keep the photo of him and Olivia close so he could remember what happiness looked like. The photo was one of those where Olivia was holding the camera towards him and their cheeks were pressed together so she could capture both of them as well as the New York City skyline. Looking at it now... Ross regretted going to New York for their honeymoon. Nah, they could have gone anywhere in the entire world. They went across the country. Now he'd never go anywhere but work and home. He'd be lucky if he found the door to leave this place at the end of the day. Hell, they might have removed it. A few more pops percolated in Ross's ears. Just let us know if you need anything, messaged Padma in the chat. Yeah, we can help with whatever, said Kyle. First days at Omni, am I right? Kyle, said Justine. Don't freak him out. Seriously, Ross, it can totally be overwhelming, but you'll settle in. Ross checked again to make sure his pod mates were breathing. His fingers hovered over the keys for a spell before he found the exact right words to say. Thanks. Yeah, that would do. They were already buzzing through new topics. What's everyone having for lunch today? Messaged Kyle. The team launched into a debate on deli meats. Ross's eyes glazed over like honey on ham. When he took off his headphones, the clicks, chirps, and coughs enveloped him once again. He grabbed his blue Omnitide bottle and rose, looking anywhere for a drinking fountain. He offered a meager wave in his podmate's direction, but nobody so much twitched. He crashed over his keyboard and messaged the group. Anyone know where I can fill up my water bottle? Kyle replied instantaneously. Over on the east wall by the men's bathroom, buddy. He added a thumbs-up emoji followed by a water droplet emoji. 
Uh, if I ever use the word emoji again after telling you this, I reckon it'll be too soon. Thanks, said Ross, deciding to stick to the hits. Ross walked what he assumed was east before correcting himself. He passed pod after pod of Justine's, Padma's, and Kyle's, dead-eyed, homogenous, and ergonomic. Ross felt like a fish swimming upstream, wading through fields of fluorescent light. He finally found the water fountain and filled his bottle. When the silver machine finished dispensing, it kindly told him the team had saved over a million plastic bottles that day alone. Is that what Omnitide did? Ross wondered. Had to be something environmental, or else Tide wouldn't be right there in the name, would it? His guess was as good as mine, though. Ross eventually made it back to his desk. He wished Olivia hadn't convinced him to wear the floral-printed shirt and khaki chinos. Everyone else wore gray slacks and white or neutral Oxford shirts. She said he looked handsome, especially with his hair combed the way she liked. Get that, H2O? Message Kyle. How many plastic bottles have we saved today? I bet at least a million, said Padma. Woohoo, said Justine, and added a gif of a cartoon bunny excitedly jumping around its cage. The imagery was all too prescient. Uh, yep, replied Ross. He typed out, thanks, but then deemed it too expected. He edited it too. I think I got my steps in for the day, too. He hit sand. Nobody replied. For a minute, Ross was scared he'd said something wrong, so he read and reread his message. Then Kyle replied, <laughs> LOL. I know, right? said Justine. She added an emoji of a little fellow with a red face and a big bead of sweat on his forehead. Yeah, you don't want to forget something on the other side of this office, that's for sure, said Padma. I guess we've got a comedian in our pod, Kyle said, and added a gif of a theater crowd laughing hysterically. Ross added an LOL. All three of them replied with a thumbs up, correspond to their particular skin tone. A different pop signified another message from Olivia. Ross dragged his phone message window beside the OM message window. What time do you think you'll be home tonight? I guess like 5.30 or so, replied Ross. Want me to pick up cow tie on my way home? Ross responded with a drooling cartoon wolf. I thought that might make your day better. Pops and clicks competed in Ross's headphones like he was tripping on bubble wrap. As he chatted with Olivia, his pod mates discussed upcoming meetings, quarterly memos, TV shows, and tech support. It's not, like, bad, necessarily, said Ross. Just a little weird. First days are always hard. Olivia added a kiss emoji. Ross felt like he should chime into the discussion on preferred potato chip flavors. He switched to the OM window. I'm a sour cream and onion guy myself. Oh, Kyle replied. I could tell. Cheddar is better. Padma added a gif of a mouse eating cheese. Do you have any preference? Asked Olivia. I think last time you got the green curry? Ross went back to his text message window. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Wow, an exclamation point. I guess your day is getting better? Haha. We're talking about potato chips. See? I knew you just had to find common ground. Olivia added a smiley face and Ross replied with 
Two little hands held to the heavens. Ross kept chatting with Olivia and his pod mates. He assumed he probably needed to do something that looked like work today, but he didn't quite know what that was. Keeping up with his group chat was hard enough. Oh, did I tell you about Paul and Emma? Said Olivia. They broke up. They had met Paul and Emma for dinner right after Olivia took that New York photo tacked to Ross's company-issue corkboard. They had just moved back to San Francisco, bought an apartment, got engaged, the works. They were one of those couples that clearly had their problems, but Olivia and Ross had known them for so long they assumed that if nothing happened yet, it wasn't going to. No news is good news, that sort of thing. Until there was news. Ross searched for a gift to reply to Olivia, but he already knew the perfect one. He selected the granulupin video of the little cowboy puppet with a mouth agape looking left, then right, before sinking behind a hay bale. It had become ubiquitous shorthand for awkwardness, and I suppose people Ross and Olivia's age understood this more than a written word. Ross hit return on his keyboard, and the gift popped into view in the chat, only it was the wrong chat. He'd forgotten to switch windows. That awkward cowboy puppet was now looping snugly beneath a conversation about how Justine's dog needed to get his anal glands expressed. Ross's eyes doubted from the cowboy to Padma and Kyle's sympathetic messages above it. Nobody replied. He wondered if he should delete it, or at least explain his mistake. He sat up an inch from his chair and his mouth fell open like the puppets. Justine and Padma and Kyle kept their eyes on the monitors. Ross sat back in his chair waiting for more pops or dings or whatever the hell their sound meant people weren't mad at him. Sweat started wilting the lush garden on his shirt. A new chat appeared on the left panel of his OM window. Hashtag OmniCalendar, illuminated with a meeting invite for 12 p.m. Ross checked the time in the upper right corner of his screen. It was 11.59 a.m. Ross jumped back to the hashtag pod 1856 chat. Sorry, wrong chat, guys. L-O-L-O-L-O-L. I was texting my wife about something. Nothing. He even added that emoji the embarrassed guy laughing with a bead of sweat on his forehead. Nothing still. You know, Padma typed Ross with clammy fingers. You're, you're right. Cheddar is better. A silence stronger than his noise-canceling headphones could bear filled his ears. The chat was so stagnant a goddamn tumbleweed could have been rolling across the window. Mr. Templeman, said a voice. Only it wasn't in the chat, or on the computer. It was a real, human voice. Ross slowly swiveled in his chair until he was staring at the pleated gray skirt of Nina from HR. Her cardigan was emblazoned with all kinds of omnitide pins and buttons, but their general positivity countered her neutral disposition. Ross slowly removed his headphones and placed them on his desk. Justine, Padma, and Kyle fixated on their monitors. Uh, hi, he said. Hi, Nina. Can you come with me, please? For the first time all day, as Ross passed pod after pod, he saw eyeballs leave their computer screens and track his every step. The whole floor watched as he and Nina from HR wove between desks, around pillars, past the printer bays, and into her office. That morning, she assured Ross her door was always open. She shut it firmly behind him.
Inside the Spartan space was a desk much like his own, but it faced three aluminum chairs with omnitide blue fabric cushions. Two of those chairs were occupied by Ross's direct manager, Mr. Brinkley, and Mr. Brinkley's direct manager, Ms. Adams. They nodded in unison to welcome Ross, but their faces weren't exactly the welcoming type. Please, said Nina, have a seat. Ross took his place between Mr. Brinkley and Ms. Adams. He did as instructed. All day he hadn't felt purposeful in any action. More like he was just occupying space after space. Ross held in a sneeze from the strong lavender smell seeping from Nina's scented candle, which apparently was one of her personal items as it didn't feature any Omnitide branded label. Ross, he folded his hands in his lap and asked if something was wrong. Mr. Brinkley, Ms. Adams, and Nina's eyes knocked into each other like a Newton's cradle. Nina leaned forward in her chair and folded her hands as well, her omnitide blue nail polish sparkling when it caught the light. Well, she said. She began hesitantly, but found her footing in the realm of cautious, polite judgment. That's what we wanted to talk to you about, Ross. Ross chewed the inside of his cheek. Only his head moved to make eye contact with all three of them like his body had been buried in a field of flowers. Oh. Okay. Mr. Brinkley took the baton from Nina. Ross, it's come to our attention that some team members were made to feel uncomfortable by something you said, and actually offended, too. Nina and Ms. Adams nodded silently along. Look, said Ross, it was all a mistake. I- I didn't mean... Mr. Brinkley held up a firm, lotioned hand. See, at Omnitide, we are champions of mental health. Uh, I'm sorry. What? Mr. Brinkley tightened his lips and exhaled through his pointy nose. (sighs) Miss Garfield's dog is a therapy animal. Do you have a problem with that? Ross swallowed with a dry, sandy throat. Miss Garfield? Is that Justine's last name? Seriously, I didn't mean... Ross, if one of our team members is offended, well, we're all hurt by this. Mr. Brinkley nodded at Nina, who obliged by spinning her monitor toward the group. They all gazed at a looping gif of a cowboy puppet, looking left, looking right, then sinking behind a hay bale. He kept doing it, forever, and into eternity. Miss Adams said the one thing she'd say the whole meeting, maybe the rest of the day. She was never much of a talker. Her words bubbled and melted like she was about to vomit. <laughs> Please, take it away. I can't look. Nina turned her monitor. The three of them seemed lightheaded. Mr. Brinkley took a sip of water from his Omnitide bottle. Ross... He said after a deep swallow, We believe working at Omnitide is a privilege. It's a great job, added Nina. Ross nodded like a ventriloquist dummy, not knowing how to respond. You say it was a mistake. Obviously, you're innocent until proven guilty, so please, the floor is yours. If you could explain... Ross wished he had his Omnitide bottle, but he lifted his desk. He'd probably line the whole area in caution tape at this point. Sure. Like I said, I didn't mean to. I was texting my wife about something, and 
meant to send her the gift and... Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I know it's your first day, but we have a stringent policy about loading unsupported apps on company computers. Oh. Ooh, strike two, Ross. And having personal conversations with non-employees during work hours is very much forbidden. You know, when you're at work, if you're not working, you're stealing. Mr. Brinkley pumped his fist like Rosie the goddamn riveter and chuckled. Ross noticed a sign above Nina's desk with the same catchphrase, said by a cartoon man walking on a steel beam. Uh, yes, of course. It won't Ross tongue the inside of his mouth for any droplet of moisture. It was drier in the Utah desert in there. Uh, sorry. It's just kind of hot in here. He tugged his damp shirt collar. Hmm. The other thing, Ross, said Nina. See, we have a dress policy here. We don't like to be all cranky about it. Some days we are more relaxed and it's fun. Beach day, said Mr. Brinkley. Beach day. Thank you, Ned. That's in July, and you can wear gray shorts. But as for normal days, we like employees to wear omnitide casual. Mr. Brinkley struck a model pose from his chair to demonstrate. It was all in the welcome email you were sent yesterday. To prep for your first day. Ross tugged again in his floral shirt, and he knew he was pushing up daisies. Strike three. And you don't have to be a baseball man. No, that ain't good. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I can run home and change if you... So, that's the thing, Ross. Mr. Brinkley hung his head like he was praying to Heavenly Father. Or the omnitide equivalent of the big man. Ms. Adams and Nina did as well. Usually we like to extend leniency to new employees. It's an adjustment period, you know? Starting a new job... However, you really upset Padma, Justine, and Kyle with your actions. Justine had to take the rest of the day off, said Nina. She was a wreck. Her poor pooch, too. I hope he's okay. Hmm. And as a top performer, we need her here. You can say that again. Happy and working. Happy and working. You can say that again, too. Mr. Brinkley rolled up his shirt sleeves like he was about to take out the trash. We don't think this is going to work out, Ross. Ross pretty much choked on a cue ball. This was a dream job. The dream job. Not his, necessarily, but it was one. There was no doubt about it. And sure, he didn't know what it was, and it didn't make a lick of sense to him, but he would have figured it out eventually. Wait, please. I know I really messed up. I'm sorry she's upset, but I'm being fired over it? Uh, I can apologize to her. I'm happy to. I can explain. Can, can you give me another chance? I am afraid not, Ross. Some mistakes are simply too egregious to look past. It wouldn't be right to the team. It wouldn't be right for Omnitide. After a few lapsed moments of silence, Ross slowly pushed his chair back and stood. He hovered in uncertainty, barely buoyed by shallow breaths. Okay, he said shakily. I guess I'll go get my stuff and leave. Nina made a phone call to the lobby. Ross didn't remember walking into a lobby. 
He didn't remember where he parked, or if they validated parking here. Mr. Brinkley stood beside him. Uh, I'm sorry. It's company policy that, upon termination, an ex-employee is escorted off the premises immediately. We'll send you a follow-up email about a time outside office hours to come pick up your belongings. And we don't validate parking for visitors. A burly security guard appeared at Nina's door. Mr. Brinkley guided Ross out and the guard took it from there. Ross saw his pod on their way across the floor. Padma and Kyle focused on their work, whatever it was. He saw his water bottle in his backpack and stacks of welcome materials. Beside his computer hung the photo of him and Olivia, both looking straight ahead to an empty chair. Ross wouldn't work at Omnitide or any of its 15 San Francisco-based subsidiaries ever again. He wouldn't work in the industry Omnitide was in ever again, or at least he assumed he didn't. The ones who were surprised he'd gotten the job in the first place were less surprised when he lost it. Olivia Rickenbacker sent him another text message. He didn't respond for a while. Thanks for listening to Henry Hansom Lived and Died. If you'd like to learn more about the collection, go to elliotmanson.com slash henryhansom.